you want to build your brand by being a guest on industry-leading podcasts? If you're a business leader, an author, or a speaker, my guess is that you do. Picture this. You, a dynamic executive easily connecting with engaged audiences, turbocharging your top-of-funnel marketing, and creating a treasure trove of content with every episode. Podcasting is a game changer that you've been waiting for. And PodcastAlly.com is your VIP ticket to podcast PR success. Say goodbye to the ordinary and hello to the extraordinary exposure. Let the Podcast Ally team connect you with the best-in-class podcast for you to be a guest on. Head over to PodcastAlly.com and use the promo code DT for a 10% discount on Podcast Ally services. That's PodcastAlly.com, promo code DT. Welcome to High Octane Leadership with Donald Thompson. This season, we're diving deeper with more solo episodes, where I'll share the experiences that have led to recognition by EY, Forbes, Fast Company, and others. Not as a boast, but as milestones on my entrepreneurial path. From growing multi-million dollar firms to successful business exits and building high performance teams with a global perspective. I'll reveal the insights and strategies from my journey and share them with you so that we can win together. Alongside these solo episodes, we'll have industry visionaries and thought leaders, and we'll explore effective leadership. Ready to empower your leadership journey with real success stories? Let's embark on this transformational journey together. In this episode of Hacktang Leadership, I'm talking with Zach Nunn, a visionary entrepreneur and the founder of Living Corporate a cutting-edge experience management startup revolutionizing the workplace. With a core focus on workplace fairness, Zach and his team leverage analytics, talent enablement, brand storytelling to cultivate an environment that prioritizes employee trust and market confidence. In addition to spearheading Living Corporate, Zach is a driving force behind Living Corporate Podcast Network, dedicated to amplifying the voices of black and brown professionals in the workplace. Through this platform, he strives to create a space for authentic conversations and insights, fostering diversity, equity, and inclusion. Thanks for joining me on the show, Zach. Donald, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm good, man. It's a happy Friday to you. Uh, I like to work hard, but I'm okay with the weekend, you know? Listen, man, I'm excited about the weekend myself. Look, you know, today we're talking about um, coaching and really coachability. You and I were sitting in different positions, right? Different different phases, I would say, right? Like I'm 34. You're you got a, like a couple years on me, not too not too many. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm more than 34. I, I went to the I went to the ball head to to manage the gray. <laughs> so you know, my family grays early. I've been over here trying to figure it out. Now my mom didn't shape my head as a baby, so it's not as my situation isn't you know as nice. But I'm curious, did you go bald or did you are you shaving it off? Yeah, I had. Uh, let's just think about our friend and 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 a goat in in the NBA, LeBron James, and that hairline. So uh, I had a little receding thing happening. They were sitting back. I, yeah, it was it was starting to sit back, and so I said, instead of sitting back, I'm gonna take you out. And so I just took it. I just took it out. And uh, so sometimes you got to make decisions. <laughs> so it's it's man, that's so funny, man. I was yeah, man. I. Honestly, I think I'm down about it. By the time I'm like 37, I really think I'm gonna be looking like. Uh, hey, exactly. And 
And in the back, I got this I full head of hair and a ball pat. Oh, man. <laughs> so you, that's wild. Hey, so I respect it. I get I get why you did what you did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, like, I, I teasingly bring up age only because I think, I think coachability and just the concept of coaching, I think it looks different as you progress in your career, right? Yeah. Uh, I'd love to hear your perspective on coaching, on, on being coachable and how, if at all, it changed from, you know, your, your early career to your more executive stage levels. I'm just curious how, how, how it all that may have shifted at all. Yeah. A lot of times you're coming through school. Uh, if you are fortunate, you do well in school, you do well in sports, different things, and you get a lot of individual accolades and you think you got it at a young age, right? And what you realize pretty quickly as you get into corporate America, as you get into entrepreneurship, as you get into the higher levels of achievement, is that there are levels, right? Excellence at one level, right, means you're the bottom of the rung, right, at the next. And from a standpoint of coaching, to be more succinct in terms of the answer, when my goals got big enough, I got open-minded about help. When my dreams and aspirations started to exceed my current capabilities, I started to become real, real open about advice and counsel. And a lot of that, to your point, has to do with age and maturity. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily age. I think it is maturity, right? There are people that have different uh, life experiences that get to that maturity faster, right? So that maturity allows you to say, wait a minute, taking advice in doesn't mean I have to do what my mentor says. It means I have the advantage of having another point of view, another perspective. What I found, Zach, early in my career in sales is I was more successful in positive sales outcomes and meeting my number and making more money to the degree that I did my homework on the company I was selling to and talked to experts in the field of the company I was working with and not going in with my idea, but going in with ideas that I had curated from some really talented folks. And it made me smarter, faster, more effective. And so a lot of times people don't take coaching because they've never seen or felt the positive impact to their outcomes. And once you experience that, you get much more open-minded. And that's what happened to me throughout throughout my, my career from a coaching perspective. You know, it's interesting the way you're describing coaching and being coachable um, is a little different and and honestly encouraging to me. So when I've thought about coaching in the past, and I think also I'm coming from sports, football, wrestling. So like, it's like, I'm thinking about, okay, your coach is somebody that tells you what to do. And then you go and you execute that. And then you come back and you show the coach or the coach has been watching you and they give you feedback against what you did and they coach you some more. And, and it's an iterative thing. And then eventually you become the player or whatever you're supposed to be analogy. What I'm hearing you say is a bit more nuanced than that, in that it's the ability to, first of all, have the relationship to receive point perspective and insight outside of yourself. But then using using the maturity word, having some level of self-awareness and maturity to take that perspective, review it, internalize, and then externalize as you need to, as you do what you're doing. That's pretty dope. 
Um, I have never thought about it that way. And I think that like that makes it also much more, I think it's much a much more interesting and intriguing prospect of a coaching experience is as opposed to because I, I I agree. I think folks, I think, I think that we have a we're in a coachability dearth right now. I think that I think that there are a lot of folks who are just simply not coachable. Um, and they're, and they're not interested in coaching, but I also think that it's like, Hey, I don't want somebody telling me what to do or thinking that they can have something over me or whatever the case is. And it's like, man, go ahead. It comes. Yeah. Jack, Zach, I'll jump in. Right. Is it is a maturity thing, right? Because when you're thinking about, I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. Well, somebody already does tell you what to do. It's called your boss. It's called your banker, your mortgage. Like, like you got bills, you got a boss. Right. Right? So until you're completely debt-free and financially independent, right, you got people telling you what to do and at what time. So let's get past that. And let's figure out how to win in a way that you gain knowledge, expertise that you can apply now and in the future. And that coaching relationship is closer akin to a partnership because the coach doesn't necessarily have the insight into the every aspect of what you should do. So if you don't tell that coach what's working, what's not working, giving them feedback, you can't tweak the recipe that's right for you. And even as a young athlete coming up as a quarterback in high school and, and an athlete in college and football, I would still come off the field and say, coach, this is what I saw. Because here's the thing. There's a field view, there's a sideline view, and then there's a view from the, from the skybox. All of those points of perspective matter to making a good decision of what you should do. And they all matter and are important. And I think that if we look at coaching as that dearth of coaching you described, I think it's because we don't slow down and talk to people about the exponential growth they can have if they listen to the perspective of others. I was talking with one of my executives and who is now, she's growing leaps and bounds because she's now much more open-minded to alternative points of view. And so she'll ask more questions than make more statements of what she believes first. A way to limit your impact as a business person is make statements of fact. The season and maturity of a business person is asking enough questions to fully understand the landscape of the topic, goal, or objective. And then when you make a statement, then when you choose a direction, it's much more informed because you use, think about what we talk about with diversity, equity, inclusion, and all of these things. It applies to winning in the workplace in terms of what your sources of information are. Because I have a wide source of information, a a wide diversity of people I talk to before I make decisions, that's why a lot of my decisions work out right. It's not because I have all the answers. It's because I'm a competitive learner in seeking those answers and then being humble enough right, to be the teacher sometimes, to be the coach sometimes, but take out my pen and be the student and take notes and learn. And when you can live in all three of those spectrums, now all of a sudden you can get the best information, best insight, so you can take informed action. You know, there's there's so much there. Like, 
it almost feels like Donald, one, needs to certain kind of be in a, a specific place before they even necessarily seek coaching, right? You need enough failures under your belt to where you listen good. Like, it, you know, I, I mean, it's just the, it's just how we're wired as humans, right? Like, if we're doing something and it's working, I'll give an example of my perspective on inclusive language, my perspective on how to give and receive feedback. Early in my career, I was very direct. Some would say harsh in my directness. I was clear. I was concise. But people didn't leave my office feeling amazing about what they learned, right? Now, I was making good money. I was CEO of a business. I was selling business. I was doing fine. And I sat down with an executive coach and and he gave me some feedback after a 360 review. And he said, Don, this discussion isn't about whether you're successful or not. It's about how successful you could be if you learned a little bit about the people side of leadership. And once that coach described to me the opportunity cost of my misbehavior, I got real attentive about improvement in that area. Because as a winner, as a leader, as a competitor, you don't want to leave success on the table. You don't want to leave opportunity unexplored. And I personally, as a high-octane leader, had to have that loss perspective. And then I got a tune, and this was about 10 years ago. And then for each year over the last 10 years, I've been working on being a better, more authentic, more inclusive leader, and I've improved. If I arrived, I don't know. That's for others to say. Sure. Am I better than I was 10 years ago, five years ago, last year? Yes. And that's something that I'm proud of. You know, there's something to be said also about, like, to your point about, so for me, I've always been told, often been told, I'm more mature than my age. I feel like I'm now, I don't know, I, I, I think there's something about kind of like experiencing lack or experiencing certainly experiencing loss. Um, so you must have, I don't know if you even always have to take an L. Sometimes it's just like you knowing what the stakes are. Like mm-hmm. if you know, hey, I didn't come from a lot. So if this don't work, it's just, I ain't, that's, that's what it's going to be, right? So you got to figure it out. And so the pressure of, the pressure of needing to, knowing that you need to figure it out or internalizing and creating stress for yourself Maybe you, maybe your own anxiety, those things can kind of help mature you too. Because if you know, or you feel as if, Hey, I'm, I'm one of the onlys in a particular space. I'm, I, there aren't a lot of people from where I come from who've gotten this far. Um, Preaching now, right? Then it's like, like, okay, well, shoot, let me. So for me, Don, like, I'm gonna tell you, man, I was one of them people at 19. Like I graduated a year early. I was 20. I graduated college. I was I was that person. Can you be my mentor? Can you be my mentor? I was asked for mentors everywhere. And I didn't know even, and I wasn't at this place, right? I wasn't at this place to even differentiate sponsor versus coach versus mentor. Like I didn't know any of that. I just said I, what I was really asking was, hey, I don't see any other young black men around here. I don't want to mess up. Can you help me? That was really what I was saying, right? And so, like, there's something also just about. I I do I do wonder about like this intersection of identity and experience and lived experience background and yep. the the readiness for coaching um that I think is like very interesting to unpack. I think though for you I'm curious 
What does it look like to find a good coach? Yeah, I I want to I want to comment on one thing you said about being the only and that that stress level and what's at stake. Sure. And then I'll come back to the next question. Um, I became CEO of a technology company at 36. My mentor, Grant Willard, was part of an acquisition with Adobe Systems. Adobe did not want the entire company we were building. They just wanted the products. And I was running the service piece. So Grant went with the acquisition to Adobe, and I became president and CEO of a small uh, technology software company. And what I thought about was as an African-American man in the tech space, saw very few people that looked like me. If I failed, would I ever get this chance again? And that stress, that driver, that understanding the moment meant that I was going to do whatever it took to win in that workplace environment. And so I think that that lack or that stress of being the only, you can flip it and move it from anxiety to a call to action, right? And that's one of the things that that happened to me. To now follow on to your other question, which is how do you recognize and attract that good coach? I think it's really important in that coaching relationship that someone can relate to the skill building that you need from the person that you are today. And it's super important that there's that relatability factor, right? And I'll give an example. Um, There's a CEO at one of the firms that I'm on the board, a marketing firm called Walk West. And Abba Bowers is the CEO of this firm. And we had some things we wanted to work with Abba on as she grew into her first CEO position. Well, I'm an executive coach. I'm the board chair. I, I I could coach her. Well, no, there's some life family things that are different between Ab and I. There's some generational differences. So we hired Ravila Gupta, who is an executive coach in Raleigh and for the last three years has partnered with Abba to create great results with her as an individual and for the company. And so because of that kinship they shared with certain areas, because of the perspectives that they and the depth of things they can discuss in and outside the workplace, I took my ego out of it as the leader of the business and the board chair and all that and said, that synergy between them is as important as the knowledge that Ravila is going to share. And so I think it is very important that relationship with that coach because the downside is you won't tell the person that needs to help you the truth. And you need to be able to work with somebody that you can open up with that you can talk about your failures, your failings, your anxiety, and your fears. And that is super important in order to get the best value, right, from a coaching relationship. The other thing I would say is there's some people that, you know, will ask the question, what if I can't afford a coach? And that's where, you know, one of the things that we're working on together is we want to build out some things that allow it to be more self-paced. What are some book recommendations, right? Because there are things you can do to create a higher level of thinking while you are working on creating the financial and the the relationship environment to find and hire the right coach. And I'm sensitive to that as well uh, in, in, in folks. You know, it it's important, right? Like I think coaching for me, 
coaching for me has been uh, integral to my life, right? Like so many things in my life just would not be, would not exist without it. And, and so, you know, finding the right coach and really continuing to grow a certain level of confidence and peace within yourself so that you can share. Because ultimately, for me, Donald, what I realized was like, man, you could have like the perfect, even so 100% agree with everything you said, you could have the perfect coach. They could have the perfect background for you. It's ultimately on you still. You have to make a decision if you're going to show up and share. And frankly, if you're going to actually receive whatever it is that's coming in that situation. Like coaching to me is exciting because coaching kind of reminds me of, I think about like the difference between, so I, I enjoyed football. Um, I probably liked football more, but I but I had a certain level of respect for wrestling because mm-hmm. wrestling and like any type of one on one thing, golf or tennis, it's between you and you, right? Like you can't like you you can't point nowhere to anybody to else. There's nowhere to hide, and I think in so many similar ways, that's where coaching is. Hey, if like assuming that you have the right coach, what you get out of coaching. It's going to be what you put into your coaching, right? And so, like, there's so much there. And, you know, I appreciate your willingness, your your, your willingness to share your journey, share your stories. I think the last, last thing I'll, I'll ask you here as we, as, we clo- as we land the plane is we're talking about coaching now, right? We're talking about coaching, especially as, uh, especially for, like, let's, let's just talk about, like, mid to senior level leaders for a quick second. You yep. think about coaching and like maybe like some any things to keep in mind. Like, you know, I, I, I don't want to limit you to to two or three. Just what yeah. are some things to keep in mind as you think about for people who are senior mid to senior level leaders, maybe getting into coaching for the first time or reengaging coaching. What are the things you think they should be keeping in mind? Yeah, a couple things. Number one, um, a lot of organizations will pay for it and fund it because your development is valuable to the organization. And so a lot of times that we have because we don't ask, right? So that's number one. Number two, even if you had to pay for the coaching yourself because it's personal development, I'm not a tax planner, but talk with your advisor. It's typically going to be round off error, tax deductible for you, and not actually going to cost you anything except when you don't do it. So one, I just want to handle the financial piece, right? Is there's just smart ways to do it. The second thing when you consider the coaching piece is it accelerates your learning. And learning aptitude is one of the key requirements for executive leadership. It's when when you're moving up the, the chain as an individual contributor, it's about what you know. When you get into mid-level management and move to the executive leadership, it is how fast you learn new things and can apply, right, to the productive benefit of the business. And so coaching gives you that sounding board to where you can push on ideas faster and then you show up stronger, right, in your day-to-day work. And then the final thing that I would say on, on coaching and, and really encourage people to, to start thinking about that process for themselves, everything being equal, what if the person you're competing with for that promotion has a coach and you don't? It's two against one. Why would you want to compete with those odds? That doesn't make any sense. The people you're in an environment with trying to win against, if they've got a good coach and you don't, they're getting a chance to see, experience, hear, and understand things. And then here's a, here's a cheat code. Here's a superpower. Anytime you get a coach, 
typically in a corporate environment, that coach is being funded by your executive leadership. So then that coach is going to talk to your leadership about your progress. That means you've got another person that is funded to talk about your development to your senior leadership. Mm. That's just cheat, smart. Cheat code. That's, su- That's cheat super code. smart. Yeah, man. And Donald, so those man. are some of the things I, I think about relative to, to coaching. I'm excited about hearing you talk about a little bit more about coaching because it's so critical um, in the world of just professional development and honestly personal development. Um, yeah. We don't talk about it enough. I think so often the word coaching is thrown around in these very just opaque terms. Um, I'm excited to hear more about your perspective and all that you've learned and continue to learn in this space. And uh, we'll be talking to you soon, man. All right, man. Thanks, Zach. Peace. Thank you for joining us on High Octane Leadership with Donald Thompson. Today's episode is a step in our collective journey towards leadership excellence. Remember, every story we share and every insight we gain is a piece in the puzzle of our leadership journey. For more insight and detail, hit the subscribe button so that we can stay connected. For deeper information and more episodes, go to donaldthompson.com. Continue to lead with vision and purpose, and until we meet again, embrace your role as a high-octane leader in the ever-evolving world of business.